Hello, everybody, and welcome to Minute 87 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we eat the carrot away through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today from Blueprint Review is David Brooke. Welcome back, David. Hello, pleasure to be here again. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. And you, you get another one of these minutes in the movie where there is absolutely no dialogue. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> plenty of action, though. <laughs> yes, plenty of action, even a little bit of gruesome action, which, Ooh, uh, yeah, you know, we'll get to that. Yes. So the minute 87 begins with the. Uh, with blue light getting ready for for what seems like a bank robbery and then ends with uh, blue light disembarking the truck. So, you know, yesterday we ended things with Grant giving the order that, uh, you know, gentlemen, we have a situation. And then we see people switch uh, the put switch the clips in their guns and then they pull down these ski masks on their faces. You know, making them really look like they are about to go rob a bank. That's what that, that's the first thing I think of when I see people wearing ski masks. You know, yeah. obviously the jokes of of bank robbers wearing masks don't work anymore after COVID. But but still, you know, it was the point where you know you couldn't. There was there was a time when you couldn't go into a bank without a mask. You know, so, yeah. Do, do you know what? Uh, the the official name is for this type of ski mask. Uh, is it about balaclava? That's right. It is a balaclava. Yes. Okay. It is a form of cloth headgear designed to expose only parts of the face, the eyes, and mouth. Um, sometimes you know people can wear it that it only covers the eyes, sometimes it covers just them. You know that. You know you can you can roll it down. You can uh, you know the way that they're wearing it beforehand is they wear it as hats. More or less, and then they just roll them down to to cover up uh, the different parts of their faces and stuff like that. Um, in the 19th century, these were known as uh, ulan caps, and they were worn by Polish and Prussian soldiers. And uh, you know, people who were outdoor sports enthusiasts would would also uh, have these type of things in in certain cold weather uh, areas and stuff like that. The name of a balaclava. Uh, comes from, uh, it was during the Crimean War in 1854. There there was a town that where there was a battle of uh, Balaclava and the, you know, British troops were wearing knitted headgear to keep warm. And they would they would have these handmade uh, Balaclavas that, that they were using to protect them from the uh, cold weather there. So the, they, they started like putting these, these masks on and then having a helmet on, on top of it. So and people people use them, obviously, uh, for motorcycle or snowmobile helmets uh, in order to help keep them warm. When they're in uh, cool or, or winter uh, conditions and things like that, you know, you'll find it something yeah, with skiers, snowboarders, cyclists, and things like that. Yeah, I've got one for my trips trips to Finland. I have one. I, I well, it's one with like an open face at least, but but it goes all around the chin and the head and the, all that kind of thing. Yeah, but what's interesting is is that you know on the one hand this and it's also used in racing. You know, you'll see like a lot oh, of yeah, racing yeah. racing oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. stuff that that that's one of the things they wear under their you know, under under their helmets and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just very strange the way that that uh, you know the fine line between what looks like a criminal and what looks like uh, someone who's 
uh, you know, in some sort of armed forces or something like that, or mm. someone who's just out for recreation. <laughs> Could be any any and all of the above. I guess it's to be uh, slightly camouflaged in the snow, but yeah, it does seem odd. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's just a very strange thing that they would use here. This is this is what they do. I think they did it also so that we we can't tell who who each of them are because you know like with with Stewart's men they all have names. These guys are all nameless. Hmm. Telford is the only one who has a real name. And I guess I guess it's the classic uh, classic kind of movie trope of having uh, one team in one color, one team in the other, like strong contrasts. Just so you know who's fighting who. Uh, That's right. <laughs> when in reality, it's maybe not that helpful. Uh, probably not. It's not like everyone's. It's not like it's a team sport. You know these, these shirts and skins, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> Although it, help, it helps avoid friendly fire, I guess, but still, yes, it marks you true. out a bit. <laughs> it's true, especially when you have fake snow being thrown around. You know that that definitely helps also. <laughs> yeah. And then you know they, they give us actually about five seconds of watching these guys, you know, as they're putting on their masks and stuff like that, and we hear like the music starting to get more tense. Uh, with the way this is, we still see that Telford is is doing his radio work. He's not paying attention to anything that uh, that anything else is going on. And then we're we're back to John and Baker, which actually makes me. It's really funny that I say that because John Baker was the main character. Was one of the main characters on Chips. <laughs> Did you ever see that TV show? Uh, well, once or twice. I do. Weirdly, the only times I remember seeing it is when I went to America. It used to on holiday or something it'd be on it'd always be on in the mm, meantime okay right so one of one of the main characters is named john baker so i just think it's really funny that i say john and baker <laughs> um so we we continue with their fight we see baker smashing john into like some sort of wall and then john pushing back and then they they they, they fly over together uh it looks like they're dancing basically the way that they're doing it and then they they roll over those trash cans that they knocked into yesterday you know, and so where do you think the whole idea of trash cans came from? You have any idea? Like when did in they general, start using in the movie? <laughs> no, no, no. In 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 general, when, oh. when do you think they started using like garbage bins and stuff like that? And we're not oh, even talking I plastic. Feel like Victorian era, I thought maybe late eighteen hundreds, early early nineteen hundreds. Very good, very good. Eighteen seventy five in England. The, the the first garbage receptacle was introduced, and they, they, it was used for the ashes of burnt garbage. You know, you, they would burn the garbage then, mm. and then uh, you know they would come around and on a weekly basis they would em- they would empty out all all of the ashes from there, and people had to then pay a fee, whether they you know whether they mm. had an empty or a full bin didn't really make a difference. And then uh, about 10 years later, the, in the U.S., they started doing that. You know, New York started developing its own waste management system uh, 40 years later in 1914, you know, which, again, they, they wanted people to incinerate their garbage first, and then, then they, they would take them. So I wonder what happened over the last uh, century that people just stopped burning their own garbage. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. The smoke, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Man, I, probably the smell didn't uh, didn't help for that type of thing. Mm. Oh well, look, what can you do? <laughs> That's the way it is. Mm. And then they 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 started uh, making uh, garbage cans in the 1950s that were made out of metal metal, which is what we have here. But uh, the problem is is that uh, 
they would get very uh, rusty and they were very noisy when you would drag them around. So a man named Charles Harrison was the uh, first person to think of the idea to create pl uh, plastic garbage bins and you know decided to find a way to, to, to make it that you can drag plastic garbage cans uh, by adding wheels and things like that, you know, which, which obviously makes things uh, much, much easier than they were back then. He was actually dyslexic, and therefore he would, you know, anything that he invented, he wanted to make things that were instinctive or spontaneous so that you wouldn't have to struggle with having to, to understand what needs to be done, you know, with having to read, read instructions and directions and stuff like that. And he created a whole bunch of different things. He was, he also was able to create the uh, see-through measuring cup the riding lawnmower, the dialomatic food slicer, and the cordless shaver. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think think about all the different things that, 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 that yeah, you were yeah. able to... Um, I mean, you still find places that have uh, metal garbage cans, but in general, it's mostly plastic these days. Yeah. I still have a metal incinerator, at least, but yeah. That's true. Also. Which looks like a garbage can. But... Right. Okay. That, that's fair. I understand that. So then, you know, John and, and uh, Baker are rolling around in the, the, the fake snow, uh, not really doing much besides rolling around, you know, at a certain point, he's on top of this one and that one's on top of that one. You know, they're not really doing anything be besides rolling around here. No one's throwing any punches or anything like that. You know, and we yeah, they're kind of holding each other off. Aren't they? That's right. And we can see that on the left hand side of the screen, there's a whole bunch of chopped wood. So I guess uh, maybe the church has a fireplace or someone mm -hmm. someone in a nearby house uh, has a fireplace that they're constantly using and stuff you know but it's just very funny the way they're struggling between the two of them because they're really not throwing any punches whatsoever mm. they're just like pushing each other away from each other type of thing that type of thing yeah. like trying to hold each other down and wrestling and, i guess that's right okay maybe and then at a certain point uh you know baker then pulls out a knife in order to try and stab john mm -hmm. and then we we basically get probably about 20 seconds here of fake struggling between the two of them. You know, Baker is, is holding the knife up. You can actually see the knife. Uh, looks like it's wiggling a little bit, you know, so yeah. obviously it's not a real knife. <laughs> it's a little plastic, but, but you, you can see like the facial expressions on both of them make it seem as if they are both uh, trying very hard here. <laughs> yeah. The bad yeah. guy's face is, is particularly a bit over the top. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he 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 contorts his face into some very strange uh, expression <laughs> as he's trying to do that. Mm. Yeah, and, and John just keeps looking at him and he's trying to hold him off. And John's using both of his hands to hold the, the you know, the baker's one hand. You know, it makes me wonder where baker's other hand is at that point. Maybe it's on John? I don't know. You know, and they give us a nice close-up shot of the knife itself. And then we see John's eyes look look above him for a second and then look back, you know, at where all of the uh, wood wood is piled over there. Maybe he's trying to think of some sort of idea. I don't know. And then John ends up somehow pushing Baker off to the side. And then he lifts up his hand and, and grabs an icicle and breaks it off. And then Baker comes in for the kill and John stabs him in the eye with the icicle so nice it's a very gruesome shot but uh but it worked mm. it it helps make this very memorable no question about that the way that uh, this is 
you know, the, the idea is, I mean, when in the commentary, so Randy Harlan discusses it a little bit and he says that, uh, you know, he realizes that some people might vomit from watching this, but it's still a great uh, choice of something that can be done. And he said, growing up in Finland, you know, they would always have fights as kids with icicles. So, you know, for him, it was a perfect idea to use it, but, you know, <laughs> they didn't use real icicles here. They, these are fiberglass that are being used, which I'm assuming is still pretty uh, dangerous to, to use here. You know, so th then the, the, the biggest question that one asks is, you know, like how dangerous are icicles? Do you think pe people have been killed by falling icicles and things like that? Not necessarily in fights yeah, like this. Yeah, like dropping off the ceiling of a roof or something. I'd have thought they, they it, a, a big chunk of ice is solid. Like it could definitely do some damage. I, I guess they're not usually mega sharp, but um, still, if you get a big enough, big enough ice uh, icicle, I don't see why it wouldn't cause some problems. Right. I actually found an article that I'm talks right. about the top 10 deaths uh, by icicles. You know, <laughs> and I mean, they claim that that in the US, there are at least 15 people that are killed uh, every year by icicle related accidents. Mm -hmm. And in Russia, there's about 100 a year that are killed by that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are just amazing. I mean, they, they bring a story here of someone in, in 2001, where 74 people were, were killed by plummeting ice mm, wow. in, in Moscow. Uh, yeah. So the, the earliest recorded death by icicle goes back to 1776, which is a, a story of, of a, a, a youth that, that died of a falling icicle. You know, so like the, the, the question that people ask is, you know, is it possible and stuff? And apparently, yes, it is. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was a kid in Devonshire, England, in 1776, the son of a parish clerk, and he was killed when an icicle fell on him and fractured his skull. Um, and apparently, on his tombstone, it says, "Bless my I I I I I I I." Here he lies in a sad pickle, killed by an icicle. I don't know how true that is. That just sounds really <laughs> weird. <laughs> sounds know. like a bit of a gag for someone's tombstone. Sounds like it's seriously exactly right. Yeah. Uh, in 1903, a police officer in Cassipolis, Michigan, was <clears throat> killed when a huge icicle fell on him and cut off the top of his head. In 2001, a 48-year-old pastor in Michigan was clearing icicles from his roof and uh, loosened an ice dam, which fell on him and ended up killing him. And the, uh, the official uh, cause of death was bilateral pulmonary thromboembolo wait thromboemboli due to crushed lower extremities due to falling ice uh yeah pretty pretty gruesome in 1994 a man named donald booth in chicago had a microwave-sized chunk of ice fall off a neiman marcus building in chicago which killed him uh his family sued uh, the department store and got 4.5 million dollars what else do we got here a seven-year-old boy in springfield vermont was hit in the head when he was playing outside and he suffered from traumatic brain injuries uh, by, from an icicle. In 2008, people in Chicago, in, in a Chicago hospital, in a Chicago hospital, eight people were treated for falling ice related injuries. And uh, the final one that I have here is a 55 year old woman in Stockholm, Sweden in 2010, that her vertebrae were crushed by snow that fell off a roof. That, that were included with that they were including uh, icicles there 
And I even found a name, I found a book, which I thought was really funny. The title of the book is Death by Icicle. It is a <laughs> Shirley, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's written by Shirley Rollins Scott, and it is a Mogi and Marin mystery book. So you, <laughs> I, I, I had a quick look myself, and there's there's uh, something that came up on the YLE, which is like the Finnish most popular kind of news. It's a uh, it's a TV channel, but um, they um, there's an article on there from 2011, dangling icicles, rooftop snow kill pedestrians. So yeah, one person died, and at least three people were injured in Helsinki on Monday due to snow ice falling from tops of buildings. But what's interesting in this article is it's they actually have um, the, the man who died. He um, he attempted to walk through an area that was demarcated as a danger zone for falling snow. So obviously it is a problem in places like Finland where it's very cold in the winter. And so they actually have zones you're not supposed to enter because of the danger of falling icicles and falling snow. And, and apparently uh, someone yeah, wasn't this listening. Guy didn't heed the warnings and paid the price. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, that, that's... Uh... <laughs> I, I actually... <laughs> I actually took the... The summary of this book called Death by Icicle just it 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 was just really funny, you know. Uh, it might be a little too long to read the whole thing, but uh, you know, I just found it really funny that you know the 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 idea is that they find a a you know the coroner they they arrive at the scene and discover a minute hole in someone's head, and that uh, they they say that the body didn't die of natural causes. So obviously. I haven't read this book, but I can already guess what's going to happen. You know, apparently there was a, someone killed him with, with an icicle and the icicle melted. You know, so by the time that they, they got there, they wouldn't be able to know that there was an icicle there. So. Oh, maybe it's a good, good way of killing people. Hide the evidence. That's right. That's right. You see, I don't know how quickly the the icicle in, in Baker's eye is going to uh, defrost. Uh, <laughs> but he gives it a nice scream and then he slumps on John. Who looks completely disgusted by the whole thing? Just rolls him off, takes a look at the the eye, and looks away really quickly. You know, he, he's had too much, <laughs> even though he he inflicted this. But uh, oh well, <laughs> what can you do? And then they, they show us the truck again, and we see some of blue light. Uh, you know, the the truck stops, and we see three guys get out, and that basically is how the the minute ends. So, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? David? Uh, let's find uh, No, I think that's good. I think that's... Uh, mm. Yeah, not as much to say about this one. Okay, so the, the script is, is pretty succinct here. It says, uh, uh, Baker yanks a combat knife from his boot and dives on McLean. Both hit the wall of the church detached garage. Snow and ice fall from the roof, but both men ignore it. McLean's left hand can't force away ba Baker's right hand and the knife. The bastard is strong, and now his left jumps out and pins McLean's right so it can't help. The knife creeps towards McLean's throat. McLean is f and then his desperate eyes look at something nearby. We we focus change. It's a big icicle with a, with with his last strength. McLean breaks it out of Baker's grip, grabs the icicle and stabs it right in Baker's eye. Baker screams and falls back. McLean rolls with him and with both hands presses the icicle home six more inches right into the son of a brain. The body twitches, dies. McLean falls against the garage as the snow turns crimson all around, catching his breath and then reacting to a whistle. Barnes is in the street. Moving to in a crouch, McLean heads towards him. So, <laughs> I 
It's another very descriptive script. The, the yes. uh, this one, a bit like the um, Die Hard. That's right. Very descriptive. By uh, you know, the fact that it says that he pushes it in deeper. I mean, come on, <laughs> they didn't do that in the movie. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Crazy. That's right. I guess that would make it. It just would make him just seem nasty. I guess I can see why they got rid of that. But yeah, as I say, on the, on the commentary, I think I think um, Rennie Hartley mentions how uh, I think the studios were a little not quite sure whether to go down that route, uh, along with another scene that I guess you've talked about earlier with the um, with the with the watching uh, the people on the plane. Yeah, they were going to show more of that as well. No, and, they uh, wanted it to be they, they wanted to be a cargo really plane to die at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. But but he, I think he even, he, although he talked them out of that and they managed to show them, I think originally he was, there was going to be even more kind of carnage in the plane. I think they even, he, he said they were going to show a little girl on the plane. They were going to show a little girl. Yeah, yeah. They were going to, yeah, and show more kind of carnage while, when it was crashing and things, people flying around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I think he, but he, 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 he says again, I think on this, that, um, yeah, that, that they weren't too sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> He, he got his way. <laughs> that is true. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, where uh, I decided that the, the the segment I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about. I mean, the movie has a plane crash, so I, I talk about uh, real plane crashes that uh, ha- are somehow, you know, uh, stories of people that that we might have heard of. And you know the the, the accidents that, that 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 killed them. So what I usually try and do is try and find something close proximity-wise to my guest. So the the one that I found for you is uh, do you do you know what happened to Prince William of Gloucester? Of Gloucester? Uh, uh, no. Do you know who that is? Uh, well, there there are lots of Prince Williams, but. Um... I'm not sure. He was. He was. His full name is William Henry Angry. Uh, William Henry Andrew Frederick. He was. He was born in on the 18th of December 1941, and he was the grandson of King George V, and he was first cousin to Queen Elizabeth II. When he was born, he was the fourth in line to the throne, and when he died, he was the ninth in line. Uh, he died on the 28th of August 1972. And uh, apparently, he liked doing a lot of different dangerous things. I guess you can say, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the things that 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 he liked doing was uh, flying planes. So he was a licensed pilot, pilot, and he was actually the president of the British Light Aviation Centre. He owned several aircraft and competed in amateur air race shows. And on August twenty eighth, nineteen seventy two, he was competing in the Goodyear International Air Trophy which uh, took place at Halfpenny Green near Dudley. Does that mean anything to you? It means nothing to me. Uh, Dudley, I, I, someone, I, I, someone I used to work with uh, came from Dudley. I know Dudley. Yeah, it's not far from Birmingham. Okay. So, yeah. All right. And he, uh, he, his passenger was a man named uh, Viral Mitchell, who was another pilot that, they, that, that he would race with often. They, they took off and they were at a very low altitude and they were flying a Piper Cherokee and their plane banked abruptly to port where there was an extreme increase in the rate of turn and a corresponding loss of altitude. And the wing of the plane hit a tree, which uh, sheared it off. And then uh, the plane went out of control and flipped over and crashed into uh, a bank nearby and it burst into flames. Both uh, William and Mitchell were killed. 
And there were 30,000 people in the stands watching this as it happened. And it took them nearly two hours to control the fire. And the the bodies were burnt beyond recognition. And the only way that they were able to identify them was via dental records. His father, who was Prince Henry, which I guess it means that, that it's, it was Elizabeth's uncle, right? So he was in very poor health and they debated whether to even tell him. And apparently they didn't, they didn't tell him, but he ended up uh, finding out about it from, uh, you know, the, he was watching the news and they, they, they mentioned it. I mean, that, that, that's a pretty, uh, you know, strange way to, to, to find that. Uh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So they, they, they renamed a uh, school in uh, Undal. Uh, it was now known as, it became known as the Prince William School. And uh, and his his estate value was uh, four hundred and sixteen thousand pounds at the time, which is nearly four million dollars, four million pounds uh, today when you adjust it uh, for inflation. He was the heir apparent of all of his uh, father's uh, peerages, the Duke of Gloucester, the Earl of Ulster, and the ba- and Baron Culloden. And when he uh, died, so his younger brother, Prince Richard. Uh, became the heir apparent and succeeded with getting all of these peerages in 1974. And William was the first grandchild of King George V and Queen Mary to to die. So, hmm. you know, because he was he was quite young at the time, I and mean, he was uh, what was he 30 when when this happened to him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised I didn't know more about this story. I guess I'm not much of a royalist. I don't tend to follow a lot of the royal kind of things, but. I'm... Surprised I didn't know. I'd say it's, it's before my time, but not not that long, ten years. But uh, yeah, wow, fascinating, crazy story. Yeah, it really is. All right, so David, you want to tell people uh, how they can get in touch with uh, David Brook? Yeah, so my website is uh, blueprintreview.co.uk, and if you look for Blueprint Review, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. All right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, moveyourminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it's 